Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. I'd like to uh, reminisce a bit and try and tell you a little bit about what it's like to be a scientist. Uh, as you heard, I was born in New York. I went through the New York public schools. And I can't remember the time that I wasn't interested in science. As a kid, I fooled around with microscopes and chemistry sets and radios and all that sort of thing. But by the time I was in high school, I had settled down on wanting to be either a chemist or a physicist. Of course, I didn't really know what chemists or physicists did, and I didn't really begin to find out what they did until I finally did get to MIT, and the, my first year, my freshman year there, quickly settled whether I was going to be a chemist or a physicist. I turned to physics, and I've never turned back from physics. Um, the reason I did that is, of course, I got involved in doing things that real scientists do. But uh, undergraduate years for all of you are going to be like they were for me. They're full of ups and downs. Uh, mine turned out very well, I think primarily thanks to two teachers. Uh, one was Professor Francis Bitter, who took me into his laboratory when I was a sophomore and let me do my first real physics. The other was a theorist, Professor Francis Friedman. Uh, junior years at MIT, those of you who are going there, I warn you, are very bad. There's a famous junior slump at MIT. Maybe there is at all universities. And Francis Friedman got me over the junior slump and showed me a lot of the beauties that really existed in science. It wasn't until I actually finished my first year in graduate school that uh, my career was really set and I got into what I do now, elementary particle physics. I was still working with Bitter, and I was working on a rather odd experiment studying some properties of rare isotopes of mercury. I was his newest graduate student, and I got the job of making mercury from gold at the MIT cyclotron. The alchemists would have said I got this the wrong way around and I would never get rich, but certain rare isotopes of uh, mercury can only be prepared by bombarding gold with neutrons and producing the mercury, and I distilled it out and we did experiments. But I found myself more interested in what was going on at the cyclotron than what was going on in the laboratory that I was nominally working in. I also took a crack at theoretical physics at the same time, again with Friedman. That exercise in theory taught me that I got no joy in the plumbing of theoretical physics, which is solving complicated mathematical equations. But I did get a lot of joy out of building apparatus, things that would let me do things. So that year did it for me. The nuclear and subnuclear worlds were it, and experiment was it. I've never looked back, and I've had, as my goal since, to contribute to our ultimate understanding of nature and of matter. It's been a romantic and joyful adventure for the most part, involving tremendously hard work and satisfying work, interleaved with depressing struggles to get money for things I wanted to do. Uh, I think I'll surely never get to my goal of understanding all of the physical universe, but I have contributed something to uh, understanding, advancing our state of knowledge. I think all really good scientists, artists, performers are basically monomaniacs. What they do is the most important thing to them, and everything else comes second. 
I don't think anybody can be really great at anything without that kind of dedication. For what you're really trying to do is go beyond all of those who have gone before. And surely you can build on their work, but what you're going to have to do is transcend their work, and you can't do it without really concentrating. For me, the driving force in my professional career has been to answer such questions as, what's the smallest thing from which all else is made? What is the fundamental law or laws that govern the interaction of matter? How can we understand the arrow of time? Physics says it can go either way, but we all know that it only goes in one direction. We get older, not younger. How do we understand the origins of the universe and how it's going to evolve? These are the jobs of the elementary particle physics physicist. I don't know the answers to the questions I've just posed, and there are many others just as profound that you can pose, but I have experienced the joys of discovery to uncover what has never been known before and to change the course of science. Poets describe those moments better than physicists. I'm not a poet, and I won't try and describe the joys and beauties of it. However, I do remember the whole 24 hours, which was the culmination of the experiment for which I was given the Nobel Prize. Uh, the work, as you heard, was a discovery of the first of a new family of particles whose existence was unsuspected, and that discovery forced a revision in the theoretical models of how matter was constructed. The realization that something unknown and really new was happening happened in the daylight hours and by a peculiar form of communication which seems to happen in science. The world knew about it almost as soon as we did because the phone was ringing within an hour of our being convinced that we were seeing something new. I remember thinking that I wished this had happened at three in the morning because if it had happened at three in the morning, then I could have sort of stared at the results and fingered them like a miser with a pile of gold coins before everybody else knew about it. Uh, it would have been nice to have it be mine for a little longer. But communication is part of science, too, and we have to tell the world what we've done so that they can verify it and modify their own course of interaction, of work. Uh, I personally always feel a kind of postpartum depression whenever I publish a paper. What I've been doing is now not mine anymore, it's everybody's. I don't want to leave you with the impression that science is either all magnificent moments of discovery or that it's only one interesting uh, experiment every 12 years. Of course, it's something in between. I found basic research to be deeply satisfying and personally fulfilling. Surely that must be in a large part because I'm doing what I'm good at, what I believe to be important and worthwhile, and as Diane Sawyer said last night, I'm getting paid for it, too. <laughs> I've talked to many of you in the day we've been here, and some of you already know your career path. You know what you want to do, and some of you don't. Uh, to those who know what you want to do, go to it and really devote yourself to it. To those who don't, use the time in college for experimenting. Don't get trapped in fields that don't interest you. If it takes you extra time to find what is your thing, take it. Uh, you're talking about your life, 
not about the number of months you spend getting your next degree. I wish you all good luck, and I wish you all the chance to realize your dreams, too. Thank you. Hi, I'm Steve Solman, Culver City, California. Uh, how does your discovery relate to unified field theory? Well, it doesn't really relate. The unified field theory is a dream of the theorists which they haven't realized yet. Uh, they're trying to fit all of these particles into a unified model. And so far, they've only managed to get two forces unified, weak and electromagnetic. Uh, putting the rest into the picture is going to require many more uh, bricks to be added to the construction. Uh, it's not for now. Uh, this did change our directions. I think we're going to have to change a direction again to get to a unified field theory. My name is Joe Raz. I'm from Washington, D.C. I want to know, in your search of physics, where you're dealing with the basic elements of matter, with what really is, do you see physics again asserting itself in the field of metaphysics anytime soon? You know, uh, that's a very interesting question. Uh, metaphysics, you can say, is the why questions. Uh, but as science evolves, the why questions change into how questions. Uh, you used to say, why did lodestones uh, attract iron? Now it's a physics question. How? What is the mechanism? We used to ask, uh, how was the universe, or why? Why does the universe appear as it does now? Uh, now, physics has advanced, and we're talking about how was the universe born and how it was evolving. I think what physics does is it tries to grab the metaphysical questions and turn these philosophical and qualitative things into quantitative things and really understand them. This isn't, this isn't really a deep physics question, so... Um, anyway, I'm Martina Walters, and I'm from Tacoma, Washington. And right now I have a sister who's presently attending MIT. And I think she's at the point where you were out not knowing what you wanted to do. How did you finally decide when you were at MIT what you wanted to go into? It's because of such a broad perspective when it comes to science. Well, I uh, very early knew I wanted to go into physics. That took uh, my freshman year. I didn't like the chemistry lab. I thought it was an awful place to be. Apologies to all you chemists. Tastes differ. Uh, but then what I did is I deliberately set out to get to know different members of the faculty to talk to them, to get jobs in the laboratories uh, so I could see a lot. And I did, during my years at MIT, classical spectroscopy, atomic physics, magnetic resonance work, uh, hyperfine and structure experiments, experiments in magnetism. And I finally got into particle physics, as I told you, at the end of my first year in graduate school. It took a long time to sort it out, but tell her to Go try different things. It's the only way to get exposed to what the alternatives are. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr.